Do you think it'll ever get to the point where it's so successful it'll be on tap or just in cans? Because I've been thinking about this. I don't know how you would tap a 0% beer because it would freeze in the beer lines. Good point. Radio Bruges News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week in which we take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues that are breaking across this wide brown land and also across this crazy spinning globe that we call home. My name's Pete Mitchum. It is a pleasure to be your host, and I'm joined by Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. Just move on to the other two. Apparently, that's all anyone wants to hear these days. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Claire's here and Claire's here. G'day, guys. Ouch. Are we getting more letters? Is this, is this yeah, we are. We've got more letters. And Matt's upset about it now. Just, 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 yeah, just, just so speak if, to the other two. Everyone wants a full book. Is that the like more, more the merrier, or is it just is it <laughs> yeah, the more so. Claire and Jimmy we've got, the less Matt and Pete they've got to put up with? Well, no, I'm really pleased to be getting letters, but, you know, it's getting to the stage that here, having them all start, great to hear the podcast back to the full team, as it's always more enjoyable to have everyone involved, you know. Well, excuse me, for 10 years, the full team was me and Matt, <laughs> right? That was the full team. We've since added some special guests to, as a treat, which was supposed to be, you know, an every now and then thing. It, was supposed to, it, was, it, was, it wasn't supposed to be an everyday food. It was supposed to be a, a sometimes food. Well, but you now made everyone's, a you know, vital error there, didn't you do? Bruce Newsweek has just become an audio version of the McDonald's drive-thru. And <laughs> what going, is it? Mama. We never go to McDonald's. <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, I hope you're all having a good week. Yeah, not bad, thanks, actually. What's going on? Oh, it's been busy on the, the big player front, actually, this week. It has been oh, a busy week. Speaking for news. of the big player front, did any of you guys um, snap up uh, a couple of lazy slabs of mountain goat steam ale for fifteen, seventeen dollars a seventeen dollars fifty? The mic. What? It was an accident, a technical glitch. They were it selling was on, online sales. It was listed online as fifty nine dollars, but if yeah. you went in store, it scanned at seventeen dollars fifty. Oh, that's I don't know whether it, I love that. Whether online, whether it when you went to check out, it it also was listed at seventeen fifty. But there was a, yeah much furore about whether or not they should have, uh, and this it was just through Liquorland. Oh right. Mm. Well, they should have honoured that absolutely. That's what you do, even in like when I used to be a supermarket checkout girl many moons ago. You just had let deal. You just did it. Well, that, <laughs> that was a, a little bit different. That was a technical issue, not our fault. The, the, law in, the law in Australia, and and the purpose behind it is to give everybody confidence in the scanning system. Is that because they know people don't look at every. Item. They, they look to make sure it's scanned and then put it in their basket or whatever, but they don't necessarily look at the screen to see if the price matches with whatever. Mm. So the idea was that if the uh, scanned item is priced incorrectly, it's free. And that, which Ooh. obviously... But this wasn't yeah. a fraud with danger when, when, it, when you're doing it with alcohol. Mm. Um, and as I say, yeah, I don't know whether it was just online or... There would have been cues out the door at Uncle Dan's. I oh, know. <laughs> well, I mean, the land. It well, wouldn't be say. a technical glitch if, uh, you know, as, soon, as far as fair was concerned, they would sort of see it as, you know, like 
Promoting, promoting excessive, excessive drinking, excessive drinking or, or, or cheap alcohol or whatever. Have we got some stuff to get through? Let's get through it, shall we? We've got, yeah. Um, let's start off with uh, some good news. Founders First signs a national cold store distribution deal. Founders First told the ASX today that it had signed a cold store national distribution agreement with alcohol supply chain company BevChain, which could lead to industry-wide logistics solutions. BevChain, which is owned by Linfox, is launching the specialist network, which will provide a single cold store warehousing and distribution chain for all founders. Founders First products starting in November. Um, so that's pretty good. And it's good news for uh, Ballistic, Slipstream, Source, Jetty Road, Foghorn, uh, who all come under the um, the Founders First banner. Um, and there was certainly there was some cheers of relief and, and gratitude that, that this was happening. I saw Sean Sherlock from, uh, from Foghorn. Very pleased, very excited about yeah. it, described as a game changer. Although Platinum yeah. Liquor in New South Wales sort of had a bit of a, what I thought was, Potentially a little bit unnecessarily snarky. Um, oh, really? What did they say? I missed that one. We're talking about best practice in the US, where brewers go in and buy back old stock or replace old stock, um, and you know, look, looking at the date coding and and stuff like that. Which to me, like, it's it's a really hard decision. But if you're a retailer and you're you know, if you've got five hundred lines of beer and you tell everybody you've got the biggest selection of beer, and stock's not turning over. You need to ask yourself, is that the brewer's fault or is that your fault for ordering too much stock? Yeah, we also have a very unique country that is very, very large. Mm-hmm. You know, So the US and the UK, you can't really compare because you're not sending beer so far. We have a, a very large, very hot country. You know, Sydney yeah. to Brisbane is a thousand kilometres. Yeah, people learn their chops in logistics in Australia yeah. and then they go elsewhere because it's so difficult here. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And this is why this is kind of like the holy grail for brewers. Like, all you want is to have your beer in that kind of situation, refrigerated, in ta- maintain that quality throughout that distribution. And, and, we, and we should point out there has been cold chain logistics up to a point mm-hmm. previously it tends to be let down where it's either, say, the courier at the last bit, so from the, the distribution uh, centre or the warehouse or whatever it might be yeah. where it's kept cold, that it's that last little bit, you know, where you've got to put stuff on a courier or whatever it is to, to 10 individual, you know, small outlets or whatever it might yeah. be. Um, and, and, look, it, it doesn't – this doesn't solve all of the problems because, it, as Matt intimated, it's still the responsibility. And this is where, I guess, brewers have got to say – the compromise is: Do I work with this with the, with these people, even though I, I think they just don't get it? They they want to have that five, boast that they've got five hundred different beers, um, rather than say, "Look, I'd rather not sell to you." Uh, you've got to make that compromise. So there's still a responsibility on the on the retailer at the other end to make sure it's not sitting in the window, you know, the west facing window, because you want to advertise that you've got the newest, you know. About to explode, Nipa. Yeah, and and the responsibility for beer quality doesn't rest with any single. But obviously, brewers need to make good quality beer. They need to do everything they can in the brew house to make sure it survives. You know, whatever distribution they put it in. Cold chain is another layer that helps get it there. But you know, as you said, Pete, if you're sending it to a retailer that doesn't have, you know enough cold room for what they're ordering or you know doesn't look after it um or you know just orders far too much too infrequently everyone needs to take responsibility for their own place in that chain 
Exactly. Speaking of uh, places in the chain, the chess pieces are shifting around on the board a little bit. Heineken is to acquire some of the Asahi Beverages brands. Um, so Asahi, owners of Carlton and United Breweries, has announced the sale of Stella Artois and Bex to Heineken. The Japanese-owned brewer is selling the beer brands to satisfy the conditions imposed by the Australian Com- Competition and Consumer Commission after buying Carlton and United Breweries from Anheuser-Busch InBev in a $16 billion deal. Uh, Heineken also secured cider brand Strongbow, Little Green and Bonamies. A statement from Asahi advised the acquisition of these brands by Heineken will fulfil Asahi Beverages' obligations under the ACCC's approval of our acquisition of CUB. So no surprise there. I think we all tipped, didn't we? I think. Well, uh, I don't know. People... Do you read the Australian Financial Review and the Australian Pete? Because the <laughs> they're last all over like, the shop, aren't they? For, for, for August serious publications, they have been dealing in some serious gossip over the last, you know, two or three months because we've had Coca Cola is going to get it, and then, um, you know, at one stage the Australian was even touting um, Young Henrys as being. You know, a, a potential buyer <laughs> Where of the, are of they the beer brand. Getting brands. all this from, and why are they just publishing it without they just any? Phone around all of the investment, you know, all of the financial managers, yeah. and sort of you know get their gossip and then publish it as news. But anyway, so it, it, and it, it was an interesting one because when we first saw that Heineken had it, Heineken is in a long term, um, you know, uh, rights uh, licensing deal with Lion in Australia, so. It looked like the beers were going to line, which further concentrated power. But then it turned out that Heineken bought it and it's going to be distributed in Australia by Heineken's wholly owned DB business from New Zealand, which does a whole lot of other things. So you've got the ridiculous situation where Heineken is competing with itself for brands that it licenses but doesn't own um, in, in, in Australia. So... Yeah, it was a weird one, wasn't it? I oh, know. Well, uh, unless um, Heineken it's is It's just going another to... reason to buy local, folks. Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> we can't figure it out. Too bloody confusing otherwise. Define local. <laughs> oh. <laughs> local is something that matters until it doesn't. Well, <laughs> well we're, doing, we're doing a story this week. There's a little, um, and we've written about it before, it's a little what they call a gypsy brand, but I think it's more of a contract brand because yeah, they basically sit yeah, in a one They're one signed place. into Burnley. Night, like nice, a couple of people very passionate. They're uh, doing a um, like a, some charity beers. That a percentage of every four pack goes to uh, a second bite. Second um, bite. Yep, it's um, a foundation that gives meals to um, sort of people that are having hardship. I think it was focused on hospitality during. Um, the COVID situation, and but it's it's much wider than that. Uh, so it's a it's a good little cause. It's a lovely little cause. Um, but yeah, anyway, they're changing their name to <laughs> a local is? local brewing company. Local brewing, just company. local brewing. Yeah, local brewing <laughs> company. <laughs> Which is interesting. It sounds works. more like That's a tagline. Good. So wherever it is, it's local. Well, there you go. Maybe, I, they, maybe I, they listen to your Great Northern chat with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just local is what we want it to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, but, but funnily enough, I, I saw this, and Pete, I don't know if you remember, um, but on April 1st, 2012, Brews News broke, had some breaking news, headlined, <laughs> uh, New Brewery Trademarks Any Beer. A newly established brewery has courted controversy by trademarking the name Any Beer and is seeking to prevent publicans from serving other beers when patrons request Any Beer. The company, Any Brewery, makes two beers, Any Ale and Any Lager, and has registered these names together with the expression Any Beer as trademarks. 
Uh, brand owner Jack Dorf said all uh, it all started as a bit of a gimmick with his mates, then he realised he was onto a business opportunity. I've been kitten kilo brewing for years, Jack explained. Whenever my mates came around, I would ask them what they wanted, and they'd say, any beer, thanks, Jack. It became a bit of a joke, so I started to call my beer any beer and got the labels done up. A couple of years later, I was down the local, and I heard a bloke say to the bird behind the bar, now, this was written in 2012, and it was written as a high parody, so please don't get cards and letters for that. Um, I'll have any beer, thanks, love. Straight away, I thought, I'm onto something here, and I checked and it was a trademark, so I registered the name uh, and started my business. Uh, he now brews his beers at a secret location, but it has enough uh, capacity to distribute nationally. Anyone who walks into a pub and asks for any beer, if they're not given my beer, um, I'm going to be uh, pursuing my trademarks, um, and, but, which was an April Fool's Day gag um, that upset a lot of people way back then. So I'm just wondering how... Uh, um, I, I, wrote the, I wrote the bloke's name, Jack Dorf. Did you? Did you? Oh, you yeah. suck. Yeah. Oh, that that didn't sound like me, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, local local, brewing, local brewing company. But it's funny how something that was a parody eight years ago is sort of now it's becoming reality. Yeah. Well, that's life, isn't it? We've got Donald well, Trump as Claire butchered last week in last week's episode or the week before. Um, you know, if you hang around long enough, you'll become the villain in your own story. Mm. Amen. We don't know whether people are going to be upset, but you know, with such a focus on local, they just seem like it. Just calling you. Beer local. I'd be very interested. I'd suspect that they won't be able to get a trademark for local beer. Mm. Um, when they were a, a local... Just a local beer, they beer used to be called. company, yeah. but it was the figurative trademark. And I'm mm-hmm. sure our good friend uh, James Omond can fill us in on this. He'll, he'll be onto it. Um, yeah. You know, whether local beer, obviously, as words, can't be trademarked, but you know, maybe a figurative could yeah, be. Yeah, like with a graphic and a logo and stuff. Potentially. Mm. Anyway, yeah. they're trying to get that trademark, so we'll see. But at least we know what a local beer is now. That's right. Are we drinking more or are we drinking less? Liquor sales up at Coles, even as lockdown eases. Uh, Sales are up at Coles Liquor as the retailers suggest that increased at-home consumption will be the new normal, despite lockdowns easing across the country. In the first quarter results, the owner of First Choice Vintage Sellers and Liquorland said that sales grew 17.4% on the prior corresponding period, uh, which equates to $852 million, aided by 80% growth in online sales. Uh, I guess that's great for Coles because they don't necessarily they don't have the interest like ALH Woolies. Uh, I don't know if there's what those agreements still are, but Coles are pretty much a, a bricks and mortar retailer. Mm-hmm. They haven't really had a presence in uh, on premise sales, so obviously with nobody able to go on premise and everyone going online, yeah. um, I guess Coles is going to have a bigger a bigger jump. Yeah. And I mean, that's people always ask me, like, do you think we're going to go back to normal after this? And I'm like, mm, I don't know, because people have got used to doing the at home thing now. And the benefits of that, obviously, not having to drive, not having to figure out your way back and all that kind of stuff in, in a safe manner. Um, and I think people are still a little bit cautious. And I think we will be like that for the foreseeable future. Um, as our Melbourne correspondent, what do you think, Pete? Is everyone raring to go? Is everyone on the streets going wild at the minute? Yeah, traffic's certainly back to where it was is the, the, the first thing you'll notice. Um, I don't. What's it like for you guys up there in terms of, like, you go to a bottle shop, are people sort of, you know, waiting for the person who's in there to leave or? No, no. Like, like it's, yeah, I, not, not, not that I've seen. It's much more normal, I'd say. But, like, you always see, obviously have to 
you, it's not the same going out and about. Like if you go to a bar, you always have to still have to do a lot of the signing in and the social distancing. And you still and want not, to book in advance because and you're it's not guaranteed very hard. to see and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy'd be able to tell us down at uh, Felons because um, you you guys still have like a forty minute line up out, out, out <laughs> there. <socially laughs> they always do. Like, yeah, yeah, so I mean, we sort of we still have to do all the contract tracing. We have to do. You've, we've still still got compliance signage all over the venue, and mm-hmm. you know you still got to sanitize everything and and all that sort of stuff but it's it's definitely i think compared to like a month two months three months ago when we were coming out of it it seems to be a lot more just people's behavior is a lot more relaxed i think Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess it's the new normal yeah maybe we've reached it yeah that's it so i think we are going to be a little bit more into at-home consumption and therefore we will see coles and um Endeavour Drinks Group probably doing quite well out of this for the seeable future. It's also really. way easier to buy more stuff online as well. I yeah, feel. well, <laughs> like, they've only just invested in online in the past year or so at Coles. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like way behind because they yeah. are a bricks and mortar store, but they, that's why they said 80% growth in online. It's so much more easy now yeah, to do time. that. Yeah, and I think people just see a bargain and they go, okay. And then also, you know, maybe it's just easier if someone delivers a case of beer to your house instead of just. You know, if you're walking home or something, only getting a six pack or mm-hmm. four pack, maybe that's. And I think too, it's it. it's it's an opportunity for uh, venues and let's use felons as an example to, um, you know, if you loved our beers, you know, while you were here, arrange to have some, you know, to be delivered, you know, when you get home, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Because I I look at the ones who have done it really well, and I'll I'll um, name check uh, Brick Lane and Stomping Ground as two Melbourne brewers who have done it really well who put together, um, I think one's called a discovery pack and the other's called a variety pack, um, where, and and Stomping Ground as well have done a couple of different ones where it's, you know, a mixture of all the sours and, and things like that. And there's another one that's, uh, I think they call it the Hop Fiend. So it's, it's you know, the, the pale ales and the IPAs, um, which I think is something that, touches something with with a lot of drinkers if you're buying online because you go oh actually yeah because i probably wouldn't if i was in a shop i probably wouldn't grab an empty carton and then put four of that four of that four of that four of that and four of that from the one brewery um this i think makes it a lot easier and i think that that will become a a new normal kind of thing i don't know pete variety pack sounds a little bit too much like licorice assortments to me (laughs) well no i was thinking of you know going growing up driving around the country and staying in flag inns um and the variety pack was the uh breakfast cereal the breakfast cereal and everyone just fought over the cocoa pops and and the sultana brand was always left for whoever was uh snoozed yeah and the cornflakes (laughs) well cornflakes you could at least chop a banana up on on it and and give it make it taste of something but Sultana brand just always yeah, tasted like yeah. you, you might as well just eat the cardboard box that it come in. Well, see, <laughs> m- my mother always used to talk about how expensive those variety packs were, and you should just buy the whole. You know, we'll just all eat cornflakes, and we'll just get the big box and save money. <laughs> you just all suffer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All suffer equally. <laughs> An acceptable compromise <laughs> makes everyone miserable. <laughs> That's it. Speaking of being miserable, sometimes. Um, a dog or a, an animal can cheer you up. And in good news, BrewDog and Ricky Gervais have raised the profile of the Queensland Animal Charity. BrewDog has teamed up with the Animal Welfare League Queensland to showcase dogs up for adoption in the region. Street dog beers are available in 12 packs of 330ml cans with eight different labels featuring dogs up for adoption. So this is kind of like the milk carton of yeah. um, missing kids in America. So it's Slightly just, less depressing. So it's basically just... Except here's a, instead of have you seen this kid, it's like, 
would you like this dog? Yes, like this dog. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, the collaboration was prompted by a similar initiative prompted uh, following a social media post by comedian Ricky Gervais in which he urged businesses to donate to charity rather than pay for celebrity endorsements. Uh, BrewDog subsequently launched Street Dog in the UK to support British animal charities, which resulted in all of the dogs featured on the cans being rehomed. There you go. And now, Pete, if, if if you did have a beer can that had a dog on, but that dog had successfully been rehoused and you wanted to put another dog on that same label... It would be almost impossible, Matt. I mean, the logistics are just... Oh, the wait logistics a of doing that. No, sure. Hang on. Do you know what you could do? <laughs> Surely. You could call Rowling's label stickers and packaging and get some shrink wrap, wrap sleeves or just say, hey, guys, we need a new dog, quickly. It <laughs> <laughs> looks like exactly that. like that dog. Yeah, because Rowling's label stickers and packaging are not able to just supply labels for your cans or your bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. They can supply can trays, tap decals, barcodes. They could probably even do, um, you know, the little um, name disc, you know, the little, uh, you know. Uh, uh, your collar tag. Cancel, yeah, dog tags. Yeah. Um, and shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans, ready for filling. Absolutely. Did you hear that? Ready for filling. So Ooh. nothing else for you to do. Ready to fill. <laughs> the only other thing you can do, when, when we say there's nothing more to do, they are ready to fill and we say there's nothing more to do. There is actually one more thing to do and that is to call 1300 852 235 to discuss further. Seamless. Seamless. But congratulations to BrewDog for... You know, yeah, I else. thought it was really nice. And no, no, Calvin. credit where credit's due. Yeah. And, and look, and, and I I must admit I'm, I'm warming to Ricky Gervais um, the more I listen to him because I, I think he's dispelling this um, or, or, or warning of the dangers of, of sort of blindly following celebrities as if they mm. they have a... Yeah, that's it. Uh, For example, and I can't say. believe I'm bringing this up, the Kardashians, they're stopping their reality TV show and that's because Kim Kardashian says she makes more on Instagram than she does for an entire season of her reality TV show. Sorry, who are the Kardashians? <laughs> Um, have we got a few minutes? Um, anyway, but that's that's exactly his point. He's like, we are spending far too much money on these people to just take pictures of themselves with a product and flog it to all the people on Instagram. Um, and he's absolutely right. And I'm really glad that Calvin and the guys got involved in this one because it just put their money where their mouth is, effectively. Um, and he, Calvin was like, he was like, fair enough. Sometimes we've we've our rhetoric's been a little bit bigger than a, their our actual. No, never. <laughs> And I was like, fair enough, Calvin, well done. And I know he listens to the podcast, so hi, Calvin. <laughs> yeah. um, There's nothing wrong with talking a big game. That, well, that's it, especially when you can execute it like they've done now. So good on you guys. Nice one. Thank you. And there's a bingo square checked off as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. There we go. Well done. Um, Coca-Cola Amatil in a takeover bid by its European counterpart. So Coca-Cola Amatil advised this morning, or this is yesterday, that it has received a non-binding takeover proposal from Coca-Cola European partners. So the company announced the, the bid in an investor update in which it also reported declines in trading revenue in the quarter, but improved performance in alcohol, which it attributed in part to feral brewing companies, quote, strong performance, unquote. Which which was an interesting, you know, like mm. feral, you'd imagine, is a fairly, you know, as, as big a news as it is in the beer space, in the complete drink space nationally that CCA, you know, Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. one of the biggest brands in the world, operates in. Um, you'd sort of think... Beer's a pretty small part of the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So beer's a fairly small part and feral's a fairly small part 
of the market. Of the so, yeah. you know, yeah. you're sort of thinking they're really looking for something. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, look over there. Don't, 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 don't <laughs> look Everything over else here. is doing badly, but this is doing well. <laughs> yeah, and that's an interesting one as well because obviously if the alcohol business did quite well, it's inevitable that people have an like obviously until Monday, uh, assumed that CCA would be wanting to buy those brands off Asahi and therefore develop their That was one of the things. gossip stories. Yeah, that they exactly. Would, that this was all driven by the desire to raise funds to mm-hmm. buy those two brands. And I'm sure they would have been like spoken to about it. They would d- Early stage discussions may have happened, I would have assumed, because they're one of the only bigger players that probably would... But I wonder what the rights for... Stella and Bex would be worth because they're not major brands, which is why they're being punted in the first place. Yeah. And I remember in 2017 when, 2016, when AB Bev bought CUB and Lion at that stage had the Corona rights um, and then, the, you know, AB Bev owns Corona so they wanted the, the rights for CUB. Mm-hmm. They paid 300 mil for Corona, but Corona is... You know, packaged only, it is the biggest beer, um, imported beer in the country. And it, last I saw, it was around about 6% mm. of, you know, the IRI data showed about 6% of the packaged beer market. So okay. that's a pretty hefty whack. Um, but, you know, Bex and Stella, Stella's not anything Nobody that it really once was. Nobody really drinks Stella and Bex these days, do they? That used to be a big thing uh. when I first started drinking, that you'd have the imported European mm. ones. And now everyone's just like, nah. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how it, uh, correlated with um, when they had their big advertising pushes because um, there was a whole thing about, you know, the poor and there was the, you know, the the 45-stage step. And I know a good friend of the program, Kiralee Walthorn. Was um, an ambassador? Or a, a yeah, well, she, was, she, ambassador, was, yeah. she would train the bar staff uh, and then host the, or, you know, judge, help judge the... Um, Bartender, the, the, no, oh, no, it was the poor. The, I've got, it, I've got the media list for yeah, it, the um, poor, yeah, somewhere, yeah, and so, and there'd be a whole sort of thing, and you know, like like a MasterChef final, and everything had a really, really wanky. So, <laughs> you know, like the it, it was the invitation where you take the glass out of the fridge and sort of invite the beer into the glass, and mm-hmm. then when you sort of use the your bar blade to to you know, like there's the beheading or something like that. Like it just sort of had these really, really like flowery. It was it was a foam cutter mat. It wasn't a, a foam cutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what at... they called it. And you had to have it at 45 degrees. I have to say that sort of stuff is... There was a lot of theatre. Oh, and, and that's the sort of stuff that on one hand, you know, I really love to see some genuine ceremony in theatre. Um, well, just to, respect to, for... Respect to for elevate it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, th- there is always that tipping point where it goes from respect <laughs> and elevation to, yeah. look, just get wine it. It. <laughs> you know. Wine can get away with that in a way that beer can't quite, I think. I think wine's got the air of being slightly snootier than beer. Uh, your standard beer drinker probably wouldn't give a rat's ass about any of that frou-frou stuff. <laughs> yeah, and 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 when you, and the other thing is when your beer is nicknamed wife beater um, in in the UK. Oh yeah, it is. It's as probably well, really it? hard. Mm. <laughs> you know, like they really tried hard to get rid of that, like really hard to get yeah. rid of that. Um, I think having five hundred mil cans of it at, at, as you walk into Tesco's um, <laughs> as a loss leader, you know, like a Don't one pound twenty for a six pack, probably didn't help. Masterclass no, in beer marketing, and actually, and if you go back and look at some of Pete Brown's. Um, old blog posts about that mm. because he was a real student yeah. of 
the, the change marketing, in marketing yeah. of that side so of things. He did a really good presentation at Brucon last year about that as well, mm. about the, how the marketing changed and how they realised that they had a major problem. And that was also when I think he spoke to the marketing team. Well, he showed a clip of the marketing director and they didn't know what it tasted like. Like, he could, they couldn't describe what it tasted <laughs> what like. What it tasted like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were like, uh, can I have a minute? And had to go and ask the, the head brewer or something. Like, what does this beer taste like? <laughs> what, what, what are the tasting notes? What are the, what are the yeah, notes? exactly. <laughs> and congratulations to Pete, too, on uh, his uh, craft and argument winning, um, y- receiving an award in the now was it American Beer British, Writers. American so, Beer Writers, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. So well done. Not that we we didn't no small part, you know, that we played in uh, promoting his book and making sure that it got out there. And... <laughs> <laughs> Told you it's the breeze news effect. It, yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I'm, I, even I'm not claiming that one. We're not taking one. that one, no. Oh, I think not. we might have something in the mailbag that even. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, that, you know, perhaps we do. Okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll have well, a look at that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, man, I want to get t-shirts printed that you know, prof, I put the S in sporting in Porting Globe. <laughs> <laughs> Claim to fame. We, so we have, we have power. <laughs> but uh, speaking of beer marketing, has everyone caught the Antonio Chorchari um, interview? I've not yes. yet. Yes. I've not yet. It's great. I, I, I'm not fishing for compliments, but I'm just in, interested in what people's thoughts were because she did, like, she willingly covered such a wide expanse of marketing for some of the big brands that have really struggled over the years for CUB, and I thought she was very uh, frank about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know. It's. Marketing is this amazing thing where you get these products which kind of in a like in a blind tasting are all fairly much the same liquid. And I like how she kind of refers to it a lot of that stuff is just like liquid. Hmm. I think it's just Oh, that's, that's the marketing term. Yeah, just totally, like, yeah. yeah. But it's just like yep. yeah, it's interesting how you just make something like that so uh successful and, and you know, get it in the hands of so many people. It's uh it was really fascinating. It's a really good listen. And and it used to upset me um when they called it the liquid because I thought, you know, you just don't have any respect for the product and you don't even know anything about it. But on one level when you hear her talk about it, they're actually stripping away, you know, what it it it, it is the liquid because what you wrap around that is independent of what the, the, the product often is it, it, itself. And uh, actually, Steve uh, Levian, regular listener and um, often commenter in the Facebook post, made a really, really good point. We were sort of talking about it and he sort of said, um, you made a good point about Cascade Premium though, uh, that was doing all right. On Pure Blonde, uh, you were again right. It was originally called LJ or Low Jewel and it did nothing. It was only when it was rebranded to Pure Blonde that it took off. And we've seen that over and over and over again in the, in the beer space with brands that um, have been released because I think even Cooper's Pale was at one stage, I think it was Cooper's Dinner Ale. Um, yes. What does that even mean? Yeah. That wouldn't mean well, anything Cooper's to me. DA, yeah, it was yeah. Cooper's Dinner Ale. And DA, it yeah. just did nothing. And then, you know, they killed it. And after a few years, they basically resurrected almost exactly the same recipe mm. and called it Cooper's Pale. And that's when it took off in the 80s amongst university students and, um, you know, people who are looking for something different to what their dad drank. And it's now Cooper's biggest selling product. But same product, different branding. And um, Pure Blonde, you know, calling something Low Jewel doesn't appeal to, uh, to, to to blokes. So, yeah, no, I, I, again, like g- genuinely interested because it, it, it's more just because I was so fascinated by what she was saying and it, it's more of a to understand whether I'm completely off mark with what is interesting and in, in, in the beer space and what isn't, so. Well, those old enough to remember too, Matt, will know that LJ also became for a little while Diamond Draft. Diamond Draft, before, yep. Before it became Pure Blonde. So they, they, they threw a bit 
at they it. had a to couple sort of, of cracks at it. Yeah. Something could stick. <laughs> it took them a yeah. while, didn't it? I'm like, and yeah, Dad, I don't like that either. That sounds throwing a bit up tacky. shit at the wall. Eventually, something will stick. <laughs> now, Sooner or later, <laughs> yep. So true. It, this is your last week as you listen to this. Hopefully, if you're listening to this this week and not next week. If you do it next week, this will be last week. But it's your last week to renew your Pink Boots <laughs> membership. Um, Pink Boots Society Australia, the membership organisation which is aimed at supporting women in the fermented and alcohol beverage industries, is welcoming new members and encouraging those with existing memberships to renew this week. Uh, it's a global organisation open to women who earn at least 25% of their income from a fermented and alcohol beverage industry job. Um students in relevant programs and those with um, businesses in planning. So you don't actually have to be in it, but if you're, um, if you're planning to be in it, you can join. Um, members have access to education opportunities to support their career growth, as well as job opportunities, local and international scholarships, which are uh, awarded each year at Brucon. Yeah, I'm very cool. And I am a, a member of Pink Boots Australia and it's absolutely corking. They have great um, like discussion boards, so all, you can see what all the brewers across the world are talking about. It, especially, obviously, being an American organisation, it's skewed a little bit towards them, but it's so fascinating to hear about what all these women across the industry are talking about. Um, and yeah, it's just a great little organisation, and I would very much recommend. Excellent. Let's finish off with this one, which has uh, generated a little bit of comment, it's fair to say. Uh, yeah. Guinness 0.0. This was Jimmy's uh, inclusion. Yes, yeah, this is Jimmy. Wow. Jimmy Brings. The Irish Jimmy Brings. giant yeah. launches an alcohol-free stout. Uh, Irish giant Guinness has become the latest brewer to offer a booze-free pint. That's Ooh. their words, not ours, I'm assuming, Matt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and no, today, it's the first ever non-alcoholic stout. Guinness 0.0. Uh, marketing department must have spent... Ages and millions coming up with that. <laughs> Guinness says development has taken four years, but that the beer is brewed to the regular process using the usual ingredients of water, barley, hops, and yeast. The alcohol is then removed using cold filtration. So there we go. So it's it's at an ice stout. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because well, right to him, tell I, him. I don't, I'm not familiar with cold filtration to remove alcohol, but presumably, so alcohol has a higher freeze point, doesn't it? Than Alcohol is a high freeze yeah. point, yeah, lower yeah. Um, evaporation point. That's it. Yeah. So I assume that's – I would need to look into that. I'd be keen to hear from uh, any of our uh, pro-brewer stream uh, regulars who might be able to shed some light on that because I'm aware of it. Like, this would be different to a vacuum process, wouldn't it, where you extract mm. the alcohol in a vacuum because that's more like what you're saying, Matt, the uh, evaporation. Honestly, whenever I read a mainstream news coverage of the – process of making a beer i just completely disregard it because <laughs> you've got journalists who don't know and don't care but just want to be dazzled by buzzwords and you've got yeah. some marketing person from the brewery who just wants to completely distract from what the process is and make it sound you know the, the whole cold filtered um thing like every beer is cold filtered you, you, <laughs> you know Good it's it, and and it became this segment because people sort of thought oh cold filtered i wanted some of that um you know so well, anyway ice, ice beer was Tui's Blue Ice and all that, um, Han Ice, were all very popular for a while, which is basically where they said they froze and then uh, lifted the slab of Which came out of the Canadian top. Molson's. And there was a really interesting article yeah. uh, that I saw in the social media feed that they were talking Mol- about Molson that. Ice. It was, yeah, yeah. Molson Ice. It was just a way of making your beer stronger um, and you know, supposedly concentrating the flavour a little bit, but... But, yeah. but they also did say that, yeah, sometimes when you when you pulled that uh, slab of frozen liquid away, it would also trap particulates and that sort of thing. So it gave a cleaner, you know, crisper, yeah, whatever. 
Again, like I'm, I'm venturing out of my comfort zone, but beer is a colloidal solution. So, um, which means Could that be colloidals to yourself. Anyway. <laughs> which, yeah. So, <laughs> like, if you forum? are going to take all of the mouthfeel and stuff out, but uh, I'm just going to refer quickly before we move on from. Um, are we moving on from Guinness? Because I just want to say no. Just 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 before we do that, I was just going to say uh, apropos your there we go ding um, your point, Matt. Uh, Luke Robertson. Um, posted a, a thing on Twitter where it highlighted a, I think it was a, um, it was either a write-up or a, a, a tasting notes or something rather that, that referred to hop bloat. Yeah, some guy from like yeah. a News Corp <laughs> thing and talked about hop bloat. The, the new, yeah. News so I don't Corp. know, is that the way is that, that not just drinking hops beer expand when you put you them in the wort? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what hop bloat, well, you know, because it used to be gas bloat or, you I know, think, whatever. Yeah, which I would make they, much more sense. What they meant. Like, surely it's but, the carbonation. Why would you attribute that to the hops? Oh, because hops are the only thing that's in beer that's not in whiskey, maybe. I don't know. But it, it's, what a it's nugget. Just the guy who's put his hand up to say, yeah, I'll be the beer writer. Um, send yeah. me your media releases and I'll do it. But no, I, I will just sort of defer to somebody who does know about beer, Martin Cornell, um, who tweeted um, in response to an article about Guinness. And it's not available in Australia yet. It seems to only be available in the UK. Um, but Martin, who... And Ireland, haven't, haven't they suffered enough? ...tends to know these things. Um, this is not the first zero-alcohol Guinness stout. They introduced one in Indonesia, brackets a big market Ooh. for Guinness, in 2015, which was withdrawn in 2018. What? Why on earth is Indonesia maybe this is, a big maybe, market for Maybe this will be the year it takes. Do you think it'll ever get to the point where it's so successful it'll be on tap or just in cans? Never. Because I've been thinking about this. I don't know how you would tap a 0% beer because it would freeze in the beer lines. Ooh. Good point. Yeah. God, you're good, aren't you? Mm. Um, yeah, I, do, I don't see this one working either, yeah. to be honest. You'd have to have a separate Definitely. line or something. Yeah, you'd have to run like a separate. A lot of bars don't really have um, the resources. So, oh. But it, did, has anyone seen a zero alcohol beer on tap anywhere or is it just still no, in I've not, no, I've not. Because no. I would have thought that would be a standard problem everywhere. Mm. I wonder if they do it like a post-mix, Jimmy. So rather than putting it through a temperite system or a you know, glycol system, you'd just do it like a post-mix. It's <laughs> a mixed coke. Oh, great. Wow. That's Maybe that's the future. Guinness naught and naught and all the other... Not just add water. Oh yeah, God, just, just add sparkling right Salt. in if any, anyone knows. <laughs> if anyone knows, yeah, that's it. No, I don't All see right. this working. Have you ever been to the Guinness factory, guys? No, I've never been I to I frequented there. Isn't, isn't it a brewery? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they like it being referred to as a factory, Claire. <laughs> they call it the Guinness factory. It's called the Guinness factory. Really? Yeah, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was called St. James's St. Gate. Gate yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's what it has on the gate, on the um, entranceway. Oh, so St. James' Gate is the entrance to the Guinness factory. Yeah. Just the entrance. <laughs> no, I recommend it. It's quite nice. There you go. Yeah, it's not like um, you know, like they thank say, you at a time when we can't travel. Rum. Recommending oh, an overseas yeah, travel de- destination. Oh well, put it on your list. Don't be grumpy. Time to jump elbow deep into that thing we call the mailbag. Don't forget, you can subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favourite podcasting app is. Um, don't forget, it costs nothing. We don't ask a lot, but it does help other beer lovers find the podcast. All letter writers will receive a Deblue Bakes cookie and they will go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. First of all, I will just quickly throw this one in. Uh, I received a, an email this morning. G'day, Pete. I've been meaning to drop your line all week since listening to last week's episode and have finally found the time. Working in pathology in the middle of a pandemic has been somewhat hectic. Uh, Just to clear things up, I've got no affiliation with Molly Rose 
other than them being within my 5K bubble. I also couldn't pass up the shower beer joke, so I hope the beer was all right. <laughs> the beers were just a thank you for what you do. We felt it only right to send you some beers after we sent some up to Brisbane after Claire appeared on our podcast. Uh, I also didn't hand deliver them. I had one of my couriers drop them off whilst they were in the area. Clearly, the little note basically explaining all of the above didn't make it um, in from the car. So, so your beer was delivered with so pathology the mystery, samples. So the mystery is over. Is that what I'm extrapolating from? Uh, I, I, th- I think we need another letter clarifying. Well, you said, he said Angus last week and I thought, it's not the, yeah. the chaps from Beer O'Clock, but I didn't question it any further, it is. which so, is my fault. Yeah, Apologies. Keep doing what you're doing and hopefully we can run into each other for a beer when restrictions allow in the future. Cheers, Angus. Angus Norris, who's the founder and lead content creator at Beer O'Clock Australia. So I thought I must uh, just yeah, – it, it everything makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> when you're getting it, what I now know to be third-hand, uh, when the final <laughs> chain in the Chinese Whispers is my 15-year-old daughter who had no interest – she was playing Minecraft and so she was just <laughs> interrupted. Yeah, no, it was Angus. Angus from where? It's just Angus. Okay. <laughs> There was no note, no, no, no note, okay. <laughs> so that's filled in a lot of the gaps and it's make, making a lot more sense now. Yeah, well, thank um, you guys, that's lovely. Now, Claire, would you like to, Pracy, perhaps uh, just sort of uh, edit a little bit, um, the email from Gavin Spencer from the Woolhouse? Sure. Um, Gavin says, hey, everyone. I'm going to repeat it because I love it. Firstly, great to hear the podcast back to a full <laughs> team. Start the editing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Select editing. It's always more enjoyable when every, with everyone involved. Um, he gave us an Apple review a few weeks ago. Um, I can confirm it doesn't go over the speakers at the bar. Oh, though it's a good idea for a weekly bruise news night. Um, I wanted to join the... <laughs> yeah, well, particularly during COVID when there's no one in the bar. Well, exactly. Uh, but we're getting back to that, don't worry. Uh, I wanted to join the conversation regarding what beer is selling. My bar only has independent beer and cider on tap, 14 in total. And I have different... A different feel about what moves in a venue. I've attached a photo of his current beer list. Three biggest sellers are Stonewood Pacific Ale, Wolf the Willows XBA, and Stomping Ground Laneway Lager. All session beers and very much go to what you have mentioned before, which I agree with, about the trend moving towards mid-strength, low ABV beers you can sit on for a while. He said he reluctantly put a hazy deeper last week um, to see how it went, and it's definitely a one-beer drink. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it's still a great beer Scott has made, but I can't see the trend lasting longer than the brew IPA you mentioned. Uh, the beer style I can see having a bigger market share soon is sours. Agreed. Love a good sour. Gavin, that's a really nice tap list as well. Yeah, that's lovely. Both, both, uh, the balance of offering and just the actual, I like the effort you've gone to to put the, the brewery's, uh, actual oh, logos the logo, on the tap yeah. list. Yeah. I think it gives it a bit more of an identity. I think when yeah. you just see it, you don't really think that much of it. I, mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've seen many a chalkboarded tap list. Yeah, and yeah, I've yeah. written many and they're never legible. So, yeah, <laughs> good job. Very, very nice. That's it. Um, and Gavin finishes with, keep up the great work as I look forward to the podcast every week. Thank you, you wonderful chap. Appreciate there we go. Matt Henry. Marty, Marty Henry. Marty Henry. Oh, Marty Henry, sorry. Uh, there was a mention of the sports beer on the podcast a few weeks ago, and from what can be found, the promoted sports beer is basically targeted marketing of low-alcohol beers without much actual given fact. Magnesium, potassium, sodium-enhanced compared to most beers, compared to most sports drink, etc. Leads one to think that there hasn't been much actual research on the statements. I have seen a few endurance sports people claiming... It is what it says. However, I'm not convinced. Does anybody know of any actual data or is it general opinion that it's simply marketing? Curious to 
hear people's thoughts. Yeah, it's total fluff. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy well, does not pr- like Professor it. Charlie Bamforth would be one to follow up with uh, on the uh, any perceived or actual or health benefits of um, the actual elements in beer. Because I remember Charlie saying, Matt, oh, I can't remember. Silicon was, was, was one. The pale ales were very rich. One of the highest silicon. sources of silica. Yeah. Um, silica, but he was also probably like, not silicon. <laughs> silica. Silica. Good for your bones. Um, but I remember one that really stuck with me was something like of the 13 essential elements that the body requires, there are something like 11 in in most beers. But he also stresses that before it's you can get alcohol. any of the functional benefits of those things, you're going to kill your liver with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, so like yeah. it, it's trace elements. It's it's yeah. there. It's not bad for you, but it does contain alcohol, and so it you know, it's not a sports um, yeah. or a health drink. And just the 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 sports beer that we were talking about, it doesn't have any levels of those things in no. it either. It well, that that have we seen the have we seen the packaging? Because no, I would have thought it would be on the website, right? It should be. And it literally <laughs> just says magnesium. Yes. <laughs> but that's where it, it exists. Great to know. Potassium. That's where the website Some. is different from the bottle because I, I, I want to see a bottle of it to see whether they have an actual – because that's not yeah, a nutrition panel if it can, just says yes. That's you a marketing – You yeah. can get a Big Mac and break down all the all the you know, Sodium, vitamins yes. and nutrients in it and go, wow, this is a superfood. It's got lettuce. <laughs> that was packaged six months ago. It's rich Beef. with vitamin oh, C. Hang on, I'm going to have a look. And is this all this stuff added in or is it just no, it's added in. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. That's fine. Then. But I, I do remember reading a, a study. There were a couple of years ago where as a rehydration study that suggested that beer was a way – and I'm not, I can't remember whether it was the minerals and things in, in – and it was low alcohol beer or light beer that they were, they were using or whether there was something about the carbonation in it that meant that there was a rehydration benefit after exercise. But I, I didn't read it close enough because we didn't – have a sponsored athlete on the show in those days. Look, um, if sports beer want to send me some samples, I'm happy to do some some clinical trials. I'll, I'll do some. I'll do like a 5k with it. I'll do with and without, and I'll do whatever they want. I'm happy to put it to the test. Done. We'll need to get you a uh, a special Bruce News uh, T-shirt, Matt. You had uh, an idea for a a new logo to put on our next run of T-shirts. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> The American brewer who um, shared with John Hole or commented John Hole having listened to the uh, podcast. And Paul uh, Kavilak, if you are still listening, or unless it was a one-off, um, very, very thrilled <laughs> that, dude, <laughs> Aussie podcast was pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's your T-shirt logo right there. Hey, Paul should send us a, a postal address too in the States and we'll, um, we'll send him a Deblu Bakes cookie. We'll send him a Deblu and an Aussie. I don't know, guys. It takes a couple Bruce of months to get yeah. it. Yeah. How, how, how are these cookies going to hold up in three months? It'll probably, probably get to the States quicker than I've had stuff getting to Dandenong. Guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Pete, um, Nebraska is now on our list. Next time you and I get to travel, um, we're, we're going to visit Nebraska Brewing. Done. But done maybe not done. in winter. As long as we can swing past frame on the way. Free and Family Brewers and have one of their Pilsners. Ooh. Shout out to, to Gavin Lord. Yeah, absolutely magnificent. Okay, cool. Uh, Apologise for the the state that the brewery is, is in. You could only, you know, eat off <laughs> most most of the floor and all of the fittings and every single <laughs> tank that was in there. It was absolutely Ooh, immaculate. Um, and we did get an Apple review from Ryan0238 titled Fingers on the Pulse. Ooh. Always listen to Brews News on the Friday Drive to Work. Really has a great summary of all things beer and brewing. 
Thanks very much for that, Ryan. Don't forget, yeah, Ryan needs to send us in a, a contact address, as does, if we don't have one already, for uh, Marty Henry. Uh, and I'm assuming Gavin probably doesn't need any faff, you know, sent to him from us. He probably gets heaps of good brewery merch and stuff like that. But we should look after him, shouldn't we? Absolutely. So, yeah, if, if we've read out one of your letters or comments on the podcast, please email us your postal address to uh, cheers at bruisenews.com.au um, and we will get something dispatched to you. There we go. Um, but just a couple of things. Now, we, we did forget last week to congratulate uh, Aussie Beer Pods. Um, the the um, final was played and uh, Beer Healer defeated um, Step Brewers in, in, in the final. So congratulations to Chris. Um, although it was like, it was funny. Like you've got this big build-up for the, for the final, but then they also published the full table. Um, <laughs> that, that week. And, and taking another one from Chris, but we did tip out Chris that week as well so <laughs> <laughs> sorry like that all I'm saying is me and Jimmy were back on that week you were so. back on that week so that's that's very true we weren't with you know the full team we, we, we had the elderly uh, <laughs> the experienced elderly. campaigners <laughs> who Easy. yeah not 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 the, anyway but uh, congratulations to uh, beer healer um, step brewers um, and also Aussie beer pods for like, really fun way to keep track of uh, beer podcasting um, for, for a long period in lockdown. Um, and there was so much work that went into keeping those. So congratulations to all. And just on the uh, beer podcast, um, I had a phone call or an email from Chris uh, Hayton this week, who is about to launch a podcast called Build Me a Brewery Podcast. Um, and he is an avid listener of ours and a number of other beer podcasts. And he is a uh, enthusiastic brewer who dreams of maybe opening a brewery himself one day. But for, for now, he's going around and speaking to a lot of uh, brewers. And he said, mate, I'll tell you what, this is an incredibly uh, well thought out and we can learn something um, <laughs> from him. Holy he has gone. He, he hasn't. Ten, ten years down the track, you reckon we can, time for us to start learning something? <laughs> Chris hasn't yet. Um, Never going to happen. <laughs> Chris hasn't yet published a, a, oh a God, podcast, so but detailed. he has mapped out the 22 episodes of it. First six episodes um, is speaking to a couple of uh, brewers, including uh, Pat uh, McInerney, which was a cracking uh, podcast. But he's got episodes um, that are looking at you know finance and capital raising, legal and compliance, uh, marketing, packaging, uh, uh, all of those things. So seek out Build Me a Brewery podcast, and we'll probably put a um, link in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I- I'm not quite sure when the first episode drops, but he does have a social media profile. And, uh, yeah, it looks like a really interesting uh, podcast that if you're in that category of people that is dreaming of opening a brewery, it looks like you're going to get a lot of useful information. Well, it was, it's funny. You probably doesn't want to speak to us, Matt, because I was thinking at the start when I mentioned the winner of the Emerging Leader in Public Health Awards um, that perhaps you and I should be eligible for something like that uh, for discouraging so many people for, uh, from entering the brewing industry. <laughs> Lucky we don't get commission on selling stainless steel, Pete. Because That's it. yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, uh, mind you, we hopefully we've sold a few homebrew kits because if 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 you love homebrewing, if if you love brewing and you love the idea of making beer and sharing it with some good friends, homebrewing is the way to go. Um, because you know a lot of people also like having an income and owning yeah, a brewery. Having, doesn't always having said that, that though, Matt, there are plenty of brewers who have you know tapped us on the shoulder at. at um, sort of social events and sort of said, I rethought how I, you know, so the, the business plan basically changed quite a bit from what I thought it was going to be, having listened to 
us to Babylon. Well, not us, but listening to the guests that give us yeah. The, yeah. So asking us, us, hearing us ask the questions that other people who have actually had the experience answer. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, so that is this week done. That's another episode of Good Brews Week. Actually, just one, because we, we've still got a couple of minutes on the clock. Um, <laughs> just as, as a little just a, a thing I'll drop in, um, last night had a couple of old friends uh, drop around who had found a 2008-2009 vintage uh, Crown Ambassador Reserve. Um, oh. And a, a 2012. That's the first two editions. They're the first two editions. And, oh, eight, uh, nine. I had a 2012 that I uh, put on the fridge, and we did a bit of a vertical tasting of that beer because you know those who have been around the, the industry for a long time will remember when that was a big news in beer. Because the original one wasn't was um, basically let's use exactly the same ingredients that go into Crown Lager. But let's give, you know, I don't know whether they barreled them or I know. No, they didn't barrel age in the first year. It was a, it was like more, much more of a dunkel. So it was darker yeah. um, than Crown Lager. But I think they still use the um, Pride of Ringwood and those sorts of things. And uh, it was just a stronger version designed for aging. And um, yeah, look, it, it, it was an experience to try. It wasn't a pleasure. Um, it, it's <laughs> how, a, how had it held up in terms of like, so first of all, carbonation? Uh, not a lot of carbonation there. And I'll tell you, like, getting the bloody beer out of... Because remember they had the wax seal? The wax, yeah. <laughs> it, it was... I've got Band-Aids on my fingers from having cut <laughs> the... Um, the uh, you know, trying to get the wax out to get the, the, the Brews News bottle open. It wasn't much help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for sure. Um, and as soon as you poured it, big um, reek of oxidation and, you know, like that sherry note. But it wasn't... Yeah, look, it, it 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 hadn't held up very very well. The two thousand and nine, much better. Um, still low carbonation, bit of that uh, sherry, bit of the oxidation, but it still had a little bit more body to it because I think that's when. And I'll have to go back and look at the um, the media releases for it. But I'll tell you what, the twenty twelve. If you can find yourself a bottle of the twenty twelve, it was an absolutely cracking drop. You know, it's still. I, had, I have a feeling that 2012 might have been the last one they I, they did. Yep, yep. From memory, and uh, yeah, and look, I I do have a stock of it, and I'll be doing a tasting featuring it at some stage because I do have enough to actually have a a, a tasting. And having tried a bottle last night, um, it is well worth trying. It's still got, so it's eight years old. Still got a little bit of, um, you know, a hop character to it. Um, it hasn't completely fallen away. Lovely body. And it was also had a bit of the um, uh, oak age where they sort of blended some. But it had just held up beautifully and it had aged nicely. So, uh, yeah, if anyone's holding on to a 2012, I don't know how much more aging will develop it, but it's tasting really nice now. Which is interesting when it comes from, yeah, like when, you know, it was a beer crown lager, you just... Don't so I don't even think they've got a brand and a manager for it. Um, based on my chat with Antonia, like it's a, a brand that is in sad, sad decline, and this was their attempt to really resurrect it and put a halo on it. And um, you know, sure they had some missteps with uh, you know, 20, the twenty ten Brett version, but everyone's doing Brett beers these days. So you know, yeah, crown just, lager. just hang on to those. Just I've, I've got a few. Just uh, what I refer to as cantioning in the uh, in the cellar. I'm just going to wait you know, oh, another 10 years or so. 
Yeah, I've got three 2010s. Have you? I've got one. So I've got yeah. one complete set that I'll uh, end up doing a, a tasting. Um, I'm actually, yeah, if I can find who the brand manager is, I want to sort of sit down with the brand manager and a, a couple of CB people and sort of say, look, this, when you guys put your mind to something, this is what you can achieve. Well, speaking of achieving, that's um, we've achieved now uh, the full hour. So for those who are, you, can, you can stop jogging now, get off the treadmill. Or... Just like to give a little value, you know, value so people get back don't, to work. you know, so people don't sort of taper off. You know, there's don't value yeah, right to the end of the podcast. <laughs> so, with thanks to Crime Alt, to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel for making all of this possible. Uh, thanks very much, Matt and Claire and Jimmy. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Have a lovely week. Um, for those in Melbourne, get out there and uh, be safe and spend and uh, do whatever you're going to do. As always, drink fresh, drink local, look after each other and wash your damn hands. And we're out. <laughs> I can't say oh. <laughs> She giggled through her boom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return. Thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer.